continue a sermon series. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're looking at the first six verses this morning. And then we're going to land on just one verse this evening, Lord willing, verse number 7. The lesson of the day is entitled, How to Win a Mate. Or this will also apply to a close friend or family member, to the Lord. You know, we live in a different type of world today. We live in a world today that is somewhat dominated by companies like Ikea and, and Amazon and such like. And with those companies, what do you do? You end up buying furniture that has to be assembled. You know, those people who live away from here can't go to Georgia Rebecca and buy furniture already assembled, so they end up buying furniture that they have to assemble. Here are some things never heard while assembling a piece of furniture. Babe, could you pass me those instructions? I just love to read them. Guys, you never say that, do you? No way. No way at all. Or, honey, thanks. I'm glad you're helping me. Won't be heard while assembling a piece of furniture. Wow. Look at you go. Where did you learn all this? Not going to be heard in a normal marriage. Or how about this one? Well, that obviously goes right there. Is it obvious? No way. I mean, it's never obvious at all. Or how about this? It looks just like it does in the picture. It won't happen at all. Or how about this one? Oh, this is fun. No, it's not fun. It is misery on earth. Or, that guy in the store was spot on, yay, it only took five minutes. Probably more like five hours, okay? You know, I think the Allen wrench may be my favorite tool. You want to take those little Allen wrenches and what? Throw them in the trash, always. And then the last one. Honey, why do we only buy one of these? Not going to be heard. In fact, I always tell my couples in marriage enrichment that if you can survive putting together a piece of furniture or a child's tool or toy, uh, that's going to be something because it's tough. Rough spots can come up and, and often it can be difficult. You know what, folks? Rough spots happen in life. It happens in marriages. It happens in life. That's just part of living. Even the best marriages go through rough spots. But that's where the grace of God comes in. This morning, if you are a wife... This lesson is primarily for you. If you are the wife of a non-Christian, this lesson is really for you. But folks, this lesson is for all of us. Because the points that we're going to talk about today can be applied in our marriage, 
can be applied in our friendships, can be applied in our families. And certainly these principles are there to help us to bring others to the Lord. God's grace can powerfully transform your marriage. It can powerfully transform your friendships, your work relationships, and yes, your school relationships. And it will impact your five. What do we mean, your five? Remember, your five was a four-lesson sermon series way back in August. And it was a sermon series calling us to concentrate on people that we know and love who are not Christians. Instead of taking a shotgun approach to evangelism, hoping we might hit somebody, your five calls for each one of us to pinpoint five at a time. Five people that you love that you want to see become a Christian. We had one this week. Luke became a Christian this past week. Your five are depending on you to show them Jesus. Remember the five steps we talked about in the series. Well, this lesson today is very practical. In fact, this whole series is called A Living Hope. Go back to chapter 1, verse 2. This whole series is very practical because this is a sermon series based on 1 Peter designed to help each one of us bring others to the Lord. It starts with grace. In fact, God's grace can transform any relationship even if you made some stupid mistakes in that relationship. 1 Peter chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, as I said, we can apply it to wives, we can apply it to all of us. Wives, likewise. Notice verse 7 also has that word likewise. The things that Peter will say to women he says, wait, you can apply it to men too. Verse 7. Wives, likewise, be what? Submissive. Circle that word. We're going to come back to it. To your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the Lord, uh, the word, they without a word may be one. How? By the conduct, example, influence. By the conduct of their wives, when they observe, when they see, when they notice your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Uh, that word fear is one we don't use today very often. Let's use a word we're more used to. Accompanied by respect. Being respectful. Accompanied by respect. You can win your five to the Lord just through the way you live your life. If, the big word if, if you're living really for the Lord. These verses, they continue the thought that actually started way back in chapter 2, verse 12. Let's go back and look at verse 12. Having your conduct, how? Honorable. 
doing the, what is right. 24-7. Remember how we close out every Bible video class? It is our hope. It is our wish. It is our prayer that we all live for Jesus 24-7. 24-7. That your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Are we living for Jesus 24-7? Or is that something we just do on Sundays? Can people see the difference that Jesus makes in your life Monday morning at work, Tuesday afternoon at school, Friday night out on the town, Saturday out in the community? Can they see Jesus living in you? Your life is a mighty witness, especially to your five. First of all, how? Let's go back in this series. In the community where you live, we did that lesson. Then in the workplace where you work, we did that lesson. And now, even in your own home. These verses begin by addressing women who are married to unbelieving husbands. Literally to those who refuse to be persuaded by the Word of God. Now let me tell you, you can lead a horse to water, they say, you can't make him drink. Well, you can't force God's Word on anyone. These men are not going to listen to just anyone, at least wise their wives, when it comes to spiritual matters. But they will notice an example. Now for a godly woman, living in such a situation, life can be pretty difficult. Guess what? It's difficult for you dealing with your five because you're a Christian and they're not a Christian. You have godly aims and they do not have godly aims. But here God, through Peter, assures these women, that they can win their husbands over to the faith without even saying a word, simply by what? Their behavior. All she has to do is to what? Be submissive in that relationship. One of my very good friends was blessed with four baby boys. Four baby boys in her family. No daughters, just sorry ladies, uh, just sons. She had four sons, but her husband was not a Christian. Think about the influence of a dad on his sons. Every Sunday morning, it was a chore getting her sons up and ready and dressed and going to worship service. Why? Well, they wanted to stay home with dad. Hey, dad was watching the pre-game for the football game, and he's watching this movie, and we want to stay with Dad. Did she give up? No. Did she surrender? No. She continued setting the example. By her conduct, she converted her husband, and her husband became eventually an elder in the church. 
one of the best elders I've ever known. How did he become a Christian? She didn't force it on him. She won him by her actions. She was submissive, but she was determined to serve our Lord. Now, before you ladies start throwing rotten tomatoes at me, I want you to know that God is going to say the same things to husband in verse 7. We're going to talk about that tonight. In the original text, in the Greek text, verse 7 literally reads this way. Husbands, live with your wives in the same way. In my translation, it says likewise. That's the same way that wives are supposed to live with you. You live the same way, men. Now, we're going to have some guys say, well, how about Ephesians 5.22? Wives, submit to your husbands. I'm the boss. She better listen to me. You're not a boss. You're not a tyrant. You're not a dictator. You're a leader. And if you are leading the way that God intends, she will lovingly submit to you. But guess what? Before verse 22 in Ephesians 5, we have verse 21. What does it say? Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Paul, when he writes Ephesians 5, he puts the monkey on the backs of the husbands. Ladies, you get off easy. You just are called to be submissive to your Christian husband, your Christian leader. Husbands, you are to love your wife as Jesus loves the church. Wow! What a tall order to follow. But that's what, as husbands, we're called to be. We're called to be that type of Christian leader. Now, let's get back to 1 Peter. You see, when each person... Husbands and wives, or even friends, if you're talking about your five. When we put the other person first in the relationship, then you have harmony in the home. So ladies and men, if you want God's grace to transform your marriage and serve as a great encouragement to your five, then submit to your mate. Lovingly submit to your mate. That is, in the same way, be subject. So what way is that? Well, the previous verses answer that question. Look at verse 2, or verse 13 of chapter 2. Submit in the same way that a citizen should submit to his government. Why? Verse 13, for the Lord's sake. Because Jesus wants you to. Verse 18, submit in the same way that an employee should submit to his employer with all respect. And now, in chapter 2, verse 23, submit in the same way that Jesus did when he bore our sins on the cross without retaliation or threats, but entrusting himself to God. If you want God's grace to transform your marriage your relationships, your friendships, then submit for the Lord's sake with all respect like Jesus did. One Christian woman 
wrote this, and I copied it. She wrote, I came from an academically driven, equality-oriented, all-female high school. Okay, she grew up in that type of high school. I was now studying in a majority male college, and I was repulsed. I had three problems with the biblical teaching on the husband and wife relationship. The first was that wives should submit. I knew women were just as competent as men. My second problem was with the idea that wives should submit to their husbands as to the Lord. It's one thing to submit to Jesus, the self-sacrificing Lord. It's quite another to offer that kind of submission to a fallible, imperfect man. My third problem was the idea that the husband was the head of the wife. This seemed to me to imply a hierarchy at odds with men and women's status as image bearers of God. At first, I tried to explain the shock away. But when I trained my lens on the command to husbands, when I considered what they were called to do, to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. I came to understand the whole purpose. If the message of Jesus is true, and it is, no one comes to the table with rights. The only way to enter is flat on your face. No one deserves the Lord. We receive Him through our obedience to His Word. The command to submit used to repulse me. Now the command convicts me and calls me toward my Lord. Don't submit so much for your own sake or even for your husband's sake. Submit for the Lord's sake. Submit because Jesus gave Himself for you. Now, ladies, submission is not something your husband does to you. It is something you do to him. It's an act of your own will from a position of what? Inner strength. A strength you find only in your relationship with Jesus. As you depend on Jesus, He gives you the power to submit freely as an act of your own will. Not because you're forced to do it, but because you choose to do it. Let me be clear. God never asks a wife to subjugate herself to abuse. It's a fact in our world that some men are not the Christian leader they should be in their home. And some men will use their physical power to abuse their wives. That's a sad fact, but it's a reality we have. Key, Christian submission is not subjugation. Subjugation turns a Christian just into a doormat. Subjugation is weakness. It's the refuge of those who are afraid to mature. It's that husband who is unwilling to step up as Jesus loved the church, and he ends up using the fist 
to get what he wants. Christian submission is strength. It's the first step toward true maturity and ministry. As I said before, submission is not something your husband does to you. It's something you do to him as a mature Christian woman to effectively minister to him and lead him to the Lord. Think about that mother with four sons. Each son is now a leader in his home and in the church. One son is a preacher. One son is an elder. And I think the other two are deacons. Where did that start? It started with the mom as she first influenced her husband to the Lord. Submission is an attitude of the heart on the inside which leads to appropriate action on the outside. Remember, what's on the inside will eventually come out on the outside. It's an act of your own will out of a heart full of love and respect which puts your mate first in the relationship. Let's use the language of Philippians 2. What is submission? Submission is humbly considering your mate better than yourself, looking not only to your own interests but also to his or her interests. Again, I remind us men, this is not just for the women. This is for all of us men as well. God is going to tell us in verse 7, likewise, that is, in the same way, live with your wives. That comes up tonight at 6, Lord willing. So if you want God's grace to transform your marriage, then submit to your mate for the Lord's sake. With all respect, just like Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins. Submit to your mate and so win your mate. That is, persuade him, how? By your actions to follow Christ himself. The mom, the lady I'm referring to, her name is Shirley. She's now deceased. Her husband, wonderful man, is now deceased. His name was Winston. Everyone called him Wimp. That was just his nickname. I knew him better as Wimp than Winston. If she had tried to force him, if she had set an ultimatum, it never would have worked. She converted him. By her actions, by her example. Now, in Bible days, a wife who denied her husband's idols was already violating social expectations. Plutarch, uh, a secular writer, not a Christian, who lived about the time that 1 Peter was written, he commented, he said this, It is becoming for a wife to worship and know only the gods that her husband believes in and to shut the front door tight upon all odd rituals and outlandish superstitions. Plutarch would consider Christianity an odd ritual, an outstanding, outstandish superstition. 
What then is a Christian wife supposed to do in that situation? Obviously, she cannot give up her faith in Jesus and worship her husband's idols. You know, Shirley could not just say, well, we're just going to stay home. Boys, just get your Sunday clothes off. We're just going to stay here with your dad. That would go against God's clear desires for her. No, she can't do that, but she could submit to her husband as much as possible in every other area, and by that hope to lead him to faith in Jesus. You see, ladies, you don't know how persuasive you can be. Not through the power of words, they only turn a man off, but often through the power of a changed life. Verse 1 says you can win those who do not believe the word without a word by your conduct. The power of your changed life can be very persuasive. Even to those who refuse to be persuaded by the word itself. Guess what? Your five, there are people on your five list that are not going to read the Bible. They're not going to read the Bible. But they will notice your example. God can use your changed life to change your mate, to change your friend, to change your family member. So just stop the nagging. It's not going to help. Stop dropping hints here and there. It's not going to help. Stop leaving certain books lying around uh, hoping he might read them. It's not going to help. And simply start living 24-7 your life in dependence upon God and in submission to your husband. Submit to your mate, win him. But not only that, by the power of your new life in Christ, submit to your mate and woo him as well. Attract him with an inner beauty that far outshines any cosmetics you could ever wear on the outside. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, Merely on the outside, the arranging of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on of fine apparel. Rather, let it be what? The hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of what? Of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Man, man looks on the outward appearance. But God sees what's in the heart, and He values a quiet, gentle spirit. Now, these verses don't prohibit a woman from fixing up her hair or wearing jewelry. If it did, otherwise, she would also have to go without any clothes, because verse 3 also talks about clothing. Now, Peter is certainly not saying that a woman should go without clothes. Now, that might attract some guys, but all for the wrong reasons. The point is this. A woman's beauty should come more from the inside than the outside. Get ready here. Here's something important. Any husband is proud of a wife who is attractive, but that beauty must come from the heart and not from the store. Ladies, you are truly beautiful because your beauty is not about the makeup on your face. It's about the makeup of your heart. 
That's what made Sarah, Abraham's wife, truly beautiful, even in her 80s and 90s. In fact, both the Egyptians, as we've been looking at here in Genesis, New Beginnings, our auditorium class, both the Egyptians in Genesis 12 and the Philistines in Genesis 20, they considered Sarah a very beautiful woman. But look at where that beauty came from. Verse 5, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you are do good and not afraid with any terror. Sarah, as we've talked about in class, Sarah was a strong-willed woman, but she used her strength to submit to her husband. He didn't make her submit. In fact, Abraham, that, Abraham really didn't make anyone do anything. It wasn't in his personality. Rather, Sarah chose to submit. And that's what made her beautiful in her husband's eyes and in the eyes of two whole nations in her day. Submit to your mate and so win him and woo him with an irresistible inter-beauty. You know, there's something special about anybody, man or woman, who truly lives for Jesus. You can see the love of Jesus coming out of their lives. You can see the change that the Lord has made in them. You can see why they value the Lord. And that leaves a mark on everyone that they come into contact with. True beauty for both men and women comes from a servant's heart. If you want to see God's grace transform your marriage or any relationship, then learn to serve like Jesus did and lead your five to the Lord. You know how we end every sermon. This is not new. You've been seeing this for over five years. God's simple plan of salvation. Luke did it this past week. How about you? Will you make that change? You know, I was visiting with Kelly McNeil on Saturday. As most of you already know, Larry, her dad, Larry Nalto, you know, remember how much we loved Larry Nalto. Larry died from a heart attack this past week. Not expected, but it happened. And we talked about their example, Larry's example and Alta's example. You know, your example is so important. Right now, you could set the example by obeying him. If you are a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? Once again, set the right example. The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. We'll have two elders up here waiting for you. Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement. To be free from the